This is BoroughCast from Scarborough Borough Council. Hello and thanks for streaming or downloading this podcast from Scarborough Borough Council. This is the October edition of BoroughCast with me, Andy Carter, and Gabrielle Janzio. Hi, Gabrielle. Hi, Andy. Summer is almost a distant memory now that we are in meteorological autumn. As the days become shorter and the nights longer, attention is turning to some of the seasonal activities taking place across our borough. The half-term school holidays are underway as we record this episode and Halloween is approaching, although you may be listening to us of course after the 31st. Here's what else you can expect from us this time, how we're supporting the creation of warm spaces across the borough this winter, setting the record straight on some misleading stories in the national press, a new campaign to warn teenagers about the dangers of drugs and alcohol, and why we've been raiding the Boroughcast sound effects cupboard. But first, we have some exciting news. Our podcasts are now in more places. We're delighted to say our content is now available via the most popular podcast hosting providers, including Apple, Spotify, Google and Amazon. It means you can now follow us and be notified automatically every time we upload new episodes. And our tech guru is also working in a darkened room as we record to make our news available via your favourite home assistant speaker, hopefully in the coming weeks. If you don't use a podcast app, you can still listen or download via our website, scarborough.gov.uk forward slash podcasts. Okay, on to the news now for this episode. And we know the cost of living crisis is causing significant pressures on household finances across the borough, and it will only get worse if there is a cold winter. That's why we've brought together public and third sector organisations to offer warm spaces throughout the borough. We are working with Beyond Housing, North Yorkshire County Council, charities and community groups to open up buildings and provide advice and support. We expect several of our own buildings will be on the list and at the time of recording this episode we're finalising those arrangements. In the meantime, if you are interested in providing a warm space location or you are involved in a charity or voluntary group and need advice or support, please get in touch. Matthew Joseph is our colleague who is leading this work and he is in the podcast booth with us today. Welcome, Matthew. Hi, Gabrielle. Why do we need warm spaces this winter? Everyone is familiar now with the cost of living crisis. It's um, it's all over the news and the newspapers. What we're finding anecdotally and also with hard evidence as well is that a lot of people are struggling to pay their bills, um, struggling with the rise of energy costs. And it's not just those that are at the kind of the, the lower levels of the economic scale. It's 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 working families, it's professionals as well. It, it's hitting everyone. Um, and what we really want to do with the Warm Spaces campaign is to to utilise our community buildings, which we've got dozens of across the borough, um, and to work with our colleagues in the community and voluntary sector to open up these spaces to to bring people in and and to get them out of the out of the cold essentially this winter. What are the organisations we're working with? One of the first things that we we quickly realised was that the council itself doesn't own that many buildings. What we do own, a lot of it isn't appropriate to 
provide us a warm space. We do have the Evron Centre in Filey and the Falsgrave Community Resource Centre in Edgehill, uh, which we're opening both of those as warm spaces. But other than that, we are very much relying on the, the voluntary and community sector across the borough who have a host of, of, of various types of buildings to work with us to open up those buildings for community use as a warm space. So what we wanted to do was, as we work in partnership with them, is to uh, remove as many barriers as possible for them developing and opening up that space as a, as a warm space. So one of the things that we've we've done is we've created a small warm welcome fund. So we've secured £10,000 of public money, which we're able to give small grants to voluntary and community groups and, and parish and town councils. Um, and that's up to £300. And it's, it will basically pay for anything associated with providing a warm space, including payments towards energy costs as well. How can charities or voluntary groups contact us for more information, including details about funding packages available? If charities, voluntary groups are looking to apply to our warm welcome scheme, um, they can do that through our website. There's a link on our website there. It will take them straight to the application guidance notes and the application form. It's a really simple application form. It's about four or five questions. It's one page long. It should take no more than 15 minutes to, to fill in. Um, alternatively, if... Um, if groups are wanting any more information or wanting to link up with the scheme in any other way, um, they can contact myself at matthew.joseph at scarborough.gov.uk um, and we can, we can link them into a whole host of initiatives that's going on across the borough. Thanks for joining us, Matthew. Cheers, Gabrielle. Thanks a lot. We are recording this edition of BoroughCast on Monday the 24th of October. It's hoped an online database of warm space locations will be launched within the next two weeks. Please follow our social channels, Twitter and Facebook, and bookmark our website, scarborough.gov.uk, where we will post information as soon as it is available. We'll also provide updates in future editions of our Residence News electronic newsletter. If you don't already subscribe to that, a link to sign up is on the front page of our website. And next, it's not often we need to take issue with what the media says about us, but there have been some very misleading stories in the national press and national radio recently. Factually incorrect information has also been doing the rounds on social media. It all relates to our Memorial Headstone inspection programme, and we feel it is important for us to set that record straight. We've mentioned this issue before on this podcast and also in our Residence News newsletter. Andy's been looking into this for us in more detail. Um, What's the background, Andy? Well, as you say, Gabrielle, a sensitive audit of memorial headstones in the older section of Woodlands Cemetery in Scarborough has been taking place. We are doing this to check the headstones are stable and don't pose a safety risk to people who visit the cemeteries and, of course, the staff who work in them. Inspections, though, are yet to begin in our other cemeteries. Okay, so what has been reported in the national press that that we want to correct In contrast to how the story was portrayed in the media, no headstones have been damaged by our staff or our contractors. And the stones are not pushed over, as has been reported. If they do pose an immediate safety risk, they may be carefully laid down and positioned face up, so any inscription can still be read. The small signs attached to the headstones advise people to contact us if they have any queries, and we do our very best, of course, to place the signs without obscuring any memorial text. 
Some of that coverage also said that people would be sent bills from us for repairs. Is that true? No, not at all. We do not charge any fees for repairs. But I should say that stonemason fees may vary, of course. And recent stones, we're talking perhaps in the last 10 years or so, should still be under warranty from the stonemason. And those should be made safe free of charge. Okay, so the media also said that we didn't bother to tell anyone about these inspections. And what have you got to say on that? As you'd expect, I'm going to say that's not true either, because communications about this work, this inspection, was carried out from early June this year. That included putting up signs throughout the cemeteries, which are still there. We ran an article in the June edition of our newsletter that reached about 40,000 people. We mentioned it in this podcast as well. We sent a press release to online and broadcast and print media and we produced an information book for local stonemasons. In addition, we added a digital version of the booklet to our website and put information on our social media channels. We also wrote directly to owners of graves that were deemed unsafe. And I should say as well, just to point out, our records do show that a letter was issued in respect of the grave mentioned in a story in the Daily Telegraph. Okay, um, shall we now bust some of the myths that appeared in the media headlines? Um, I'll read them here and and you can respond, Andy. Scarborough Council purged 50,000 headstones across three cemeteries. Not true. Our memorial booklet does make reference to the existence of 50,000 memorials throughout our three cemeteries. And in time, of course, these will all have to be inspected. But we've only conducted inspections of 1,386 headstones at the point we are recording this podcast. And out of those, only 110 have been carefully laid down. So in the next claim, mourners are furious after a council removed thousands of headstones in a row over health and safety. Again, not true. The word removed, of course, implies they were taken away, and that simply is not true. We've not removed any headstones. They have been sensitively laid down, though, on their existing plot. We've not laid down thousands of headstones. As I said a short time ago, only 110 at the point we're recording this podcast. Now, there has never been a a row either, that quote, a row. This is the media's attempt, frankly, as we see it, to inject drama into their story. If you do and you're listening and you have a query about a memorial headstone inspection, please contact our bereavement services team. There's a link to them in the show notes for this podcast. Thank you, Andy, and I'm glad we've cleared that up. You're listening to Boroughcast, a podcast from Scarborough Borough Council. Approval has been given to create something called a cyber cluster in our borough. We're going to invest £140,000 in an initial pilot phase of a project which is being supported with £97,000 from the mining company Anglo-American. Across the UK, there are three existing clusters with another four in the planning stage. Each one focuses on a specific area of expertise. For example, the London cluster leads on industry, Manchester on digital innovation and Cheltenham on national security. They've been established in response to the increasing number of cyber threats posed by hostile organisations and criminal networks. They also meet ambitions to create more cyber and digital talent in the workforce. The Yorkshire Coast Cluster, which should be based in Scarborough, would focus on operational technology such as home automation or the so-called Internet of Things. Steve Marsh from our Regeneration team is here with us on the podcast today to tell us more. So welcome to Boroughcast. Steve, your first time. Yes, it is. 
Yeah, absolutely. We just covered some of the details there, but I guess the first question ought to be, why do we need or why do we want a cyber cluster here in our borough? We live in an increasingly digitally connected world. Uh, we rely upon technology more and more each day, both in our personal lives and in our work lives. Uh, and Scarborough is very well positioned both geographically and also in terms of its business makeup to actually exploit the opportunities presented by this increasingly digital world. We've done some research and found a number of uh, cyber clusters, as they're referred to, around the country. But there are none on this eastern coast and there are none focused on operational technology, which is where we will most likely be focusing our plans. We've been working with a number of organisations, haven't we, to develop these plans, including GCHQ, uh, Scarborough, among others. Why is it important to bring these, these organisations together? Well, the whole point of a cluster is to bring organisations together that have an interest in cybersecurity uh, and they then deliver benefit that is greater than the sum of their parts, their individual parts. So we are fortunate we have GCHQ on our doorstep. They have career possibilities, career opportunities in cyber, and it makes sense for us to uh, upskill our local population and attract people to Scarborough to become upskilled to take up that kind of opportunity. So you say there isn't one of these clusters on the East Coast. If we are able to push forward with these plans, we'll have one. So a dot goes on the map, as it were. But what are the other sort of wider benefits for the community here? We're about to embark on a pilot programme of activity and that will include upskilling our local residents so we will go out to through community groups to individuals and groups to uh, run sessions where we can explain the opportunities and the threats that come alongside digital use um, so that people are more familiar with those threats and how to tackle them but also understand what the opportunities are, both in terms of career opportunities, but also in terms of using technology to improve their lives. But we'll go further than that because we're also looking to support our local businesses by helping them to become more cyber secure. And we're also looking to work with our larger businesses to understand their technological challenges and we will ultimately then bring together academia, research, funders, government to be able to start tackling some of those big organisation problems and our ultimate goal is for Scarborough to be established as a centre of excellence for that kind of work. So no matter where you are in the region or even in the country, if you have an operational technology problem, you will know to come to Scarborough and find the, the organisations here to be able to tackle those problems. Fantastic. Thank you for joining us on Boracast, Steve. Pleasure. Let's take a short break from news now to bring you the part of this podcast which you can contribute to. In fact, it rather relies on your input. We're calling it the sounds of the borough. If you're familiar with the principle of slow radio or you listen to Paddy O'Connell on Radio 4 on a regular basis, you'll know what this is all about. Our borough is visually stunning, but it's also audibly interesting too. For this episode, we're featuring the natural environment. The recording was made earlier this year by Hazel, who says a walk along a proper designated footpath, she adds, meant walking at the edge of a field which had recently been harvested with the cut stubble still in place. Let's take a listen. 
Hazel thinks the noise had a sort of musical tone, and I agree. Me too. If you'd like to submit your own Sound of the Borough recording, please send it to podcasts at scarborough.gov.uk. We start this item with a sound effect. We all accept that seabirds are part of living on the coast, but there are things we can do to make living alongside them more manageable. Our gull-proofing grant funding scheme continues this autumn and winter, and we're encouraging new applications. Every year in spring and early summer, kittiwakes and herring gulls nest on the rooftops and window ledges of many town centre and seafront buildings throughout our borough. Their poo is a familiar sight down the side of buildings and on surrounding pavements. It looks, of course, and smells well horrid. To help prevent gulls nesting in the first place, our grant funding scheme assists private building owners and tenants with the cost of purchasing and installing gull-proofing material on their home or business premises. Where buildings are properly proofed and nesting is prevented in the first place, gull mess build-up is almost non-existent. Autumn and winter are the perfect times to install the gull-proofing measures ahead of the 2023 spring nesting season. As part of the scheme, we will contribute 50%, that's up to a maximum of £2,000, towards the cost of gull-proofing any private buildings in defined areas of Filey, Scarborough and Whitby. The work, though, must be carried out by our approved contractor to ensure the installation meets the required high standard to ensure gulls do not become trapped in the proofing materials. Maps of the eligible areas and an application form for match funding are available to download from our website. We've put a link to that page in the show notes for this episode. Alongside proofing, we will continue with our programme of enhanced cleaning in the spring and summer months using our high-pressure hot water cleaning machine. And I feel, Gabrielle, that's an excuse for yet another sound effect from the library. Most definitely, especially after that tongue twister. You're listening to Borough a podcast from Scarborough Borough Council. Consultation news now, which we first mentioned in last month's episode of this podcast. The team setting up the new Unitary Council to cover the whole of North Yorkshire from next year is extending its Let's Talk consultation programme. Many of you have already taken part and added your views about what you want from the new authority which comes into being on the 1st of April. It is replacing us, Scarborough Borough Council, the County Council and the other six district and borough councils in the county. Now the Let's Talk team wants to find out what you think about devolution. The government has offered the City of York and North Yorkshire £540 million over the next 30 years, along with it the transfer of some decision-making powers away from London to here. This includes key areas such as the economy, housing and regeneration, skills and transport. It would also mean, though, the creation of a new directly elected mayor covering the entire county. Earlier this month, our cabinet discussed the proposed devolution deal. And here's what council leader Steve Siddons said about it on our sister podcast, In Conversation With. I don't have a problem in principle with devolution. I think that it's important that people who live in a particular area have 
a proportional say in what goes on. I don't like the idea that all decisions are made in London. But I think there's a bit of a misconception about devolution. It only gives authority to a local area where it suits national government. They do things that they feel are the appropriate things to to devolve, uh, but they keep keep hold of the, the strings to most other things. 500 and odd million pounds over 30 years, um, right across North Yorkshire and York, is a drop in the ocean, frankly. And I don't think it's going to make that much difference to, uh, to the way people's lives operate here. That was Councillor Steve Siddons. Your comments won't change the actual details of the proposed devolution deal, but the consultation does enable you to express a view on how it would be implemented. Let's Talk is taking place online via a dedicated consultation portal and some face-to-face events have been organised throughout the borough. We encourage you, no surprise, to take part in Let's Talk as it's your chance to influence how the new structure of local government for North Yorkshire will work in future. We've added a link to the consultation portal in the show notes for this podcast. Next, if you are a parent of a teenage child, then North Yorkshire's police, fire and crime commissioner wants you to talk to them about drugs and alcohol. Zoe Metcalfe's Not My Child campaign launched earlier this month. The aim is to encourage parents, guardians and caregivers to have a positive conversation with their teenage children about the dangers of substance misuse before they come to harm. The campaign has been inspired by the tragic story of Leah Roberts, who died in 2019. The 15-year-old sadly lost her life in a car park in North Allerton after taking two MDMA bombs, a powder form of ecstasy, while out with a group of friends. Leah's mum, Kerry, is supporting the campaign and has teamed up with the commissioner to promote the message. This is her story. I got home about six, seven o'clock. She wasn't in, which wasn't unusual. It was Saturday. She was out with her friends. Then I got a call at nine o'clock from one of her friends saying Leah was drunk in the park. That's the, the what I thought. She was drunk in the park. She drank too much. I was we were going to pick her up. Honestly, we I thought I was going to be dragging her in the car. And she was going to get in a big telling off. That's what I thought. We seen her lay on the floor and we just thought she'd had too much to drink. When I arrived there, she said, Mom, she knew she, she knew I was there. That was the last words I, I got out of her. It happened so fast. She was, was fitting and she wasn't doing great in the car park. By the time the ambulance come, she was, she, she was, I think, she, well, I know she was dead. Kerry Roberts there, mum of 15-year-old Leah Roberts, who died in North Allerton in 2019 after taking MDMA. And listening to that, Gabrielle, I'm sure you agree, it's difficult how to respond, but it perhaps does underline the importance of having that conversation with your teenage children. Certainly. Well, you can find out more about the campaign on the Not My Child website, and we've added a link to that in the show notes for this podcast. You're listening to Boroughcast, a podcast from Scarborough Borough Council. Time for some suitable backing music as we talk Halloween now. It's going to be spooktastic in our borough this school half-term week as family-friendly Halloween-inspired and themed events take place. Many of the historic sites on our Yorkshire coast have a spooky tale or two to tell. Who wrote this? And with ghost stories to spine-chilling ghost walks, there are lots of activities on offer. 
This podcast is certainly full of tongue twisters this time, Andy. If you're in Scarborough or Whitby, you should download the free Love Exploring app and be guided around both towns by dancing skeletons, mummies, zombies and even a vampire. The app uses augmented reality with stunning animations overlaid on the live scene as the characters take you on a spooky trail with quiz questions to answer. It's perfect for children or younger budding explorers. You can download the Love Exploring app from the Google Play or Apple App Stores or via the Love Exploring website. There are links to all three in the show notes. For other Halloween-related activities on the Yorkshire Coast, please visit our Discover Yorkshire Coast website. We've added a link to that as well. And finally, three former councillors celebrated their status as an honorary alderman of the Borough of Scarborough earlier this month during a ceremony at the Town Hall in Scarborough. Former councillors Godfrey Allenson, David Billing and Tom Fox, surrounded by family, friends and council colleagues, were presented with their badge of office and certificate to recognise the special honour. At the same ceremony, retired solicitor Richard Gromwell received the badge and scroll of honorary freeman, the borough's highest accolade. That was in recognition of his many years of service to the legal sector and work in the fields of regeneration and economic development. It is only awarded in very exceptional cases. The honours were made to all four recipients during an online meeting in December 2020, but the formal presentations were delayed, not least because of the coronavirus restrictions. Gabrielle grabbed a quick word with two of the recipients, Godfrey Allenson and Richard Grunwell, to get their reaction to their awards. It's wonderful to be recognised because I enjoyed every minute of being on the council and uh, felt uh, I was doing some good. Not always, but, you know, and uh, so it's, it's wonderful. You'll have many special memories and probably lots of memories of the work that you got involved in over all those years from 1974 um, to obviously when you, when you finished as councillor. Are there any sort of two or three that you might want to pick out of um, things that stick out in your mind? Well, I think uh, two or three. I, I introduced wheelie bins into the borough, which was controversial. I, I always remember one gentleman he kept writing to me and telling me he wasn't going to get up early on the morning to put his his wheelie bin out but uh, we we had the green bins and then the blue bins and then the brown ones and imagine today if we said we're going to stop doing that and yet some people did object to it but I was very proud about that it's a good safe taste away the other thing I was proud about as cabinet member I was responsible for overseeing the marine drive being protected for the next hundred years uh, and some of that was controversial I used to say at the time when I was interviewed, uh, I remember being very young, walking around the Marine Drive and it was a wonderful walk and I'd just had a, a granddaughter born and I thought, lovely, I want her to be able to walk around when she's older. So I was very proud of, of that and, uh, and from that, I, and other things, I got made chairman of a body that covered the coastline of England. So uh, that sticks in my memory. I just feel that if, if you are awarded an honour that's the highest honour that the local authority here can, can grant to someone. It's really quite something for your own community to be um, awarding it to you. It's very different from business award or whatever, it is just tremendous. 
That was Richard Grunwell and before him, Godfrey Allenson. Unable to attend the ceremony but also made an honorary alderman at the end of 2020 were former councillors Colin Haddington, Norman Murphy and Joe Plant. That's it for this edition of BorougherCast. Before we go, here's a reminder that next month's podcast will be published towards the end of November. In the meantime, don't forget to find us on your now preferred podcast hosting service where you can follow or subscribe and be notified when we post new content. After all, you would not want to miss out, especially if I can't get my words out next month. Thank you for listening. From Gabrielle. Goodbye. And from me, Andy. Goodbye. For more news and information about the services we provide, visit scarborough.gov.uk.